where I think my success lies and where our team success is just being idea machines. So that's where I think I, we can really spot. Do we have somebody special here? Is that they are constantly generating new, strange, unique ideas. Ideas that feel new, ideas that feel dangerous, ideas that cannot be dismissed. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. And welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kev Rogers here. Today we're going deep, 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 deep into the highest producing campaigns happening in direct response today. I've got Joe Schriefer on the line with me. And I tell you, if you're a copywriter or you're somebody who works with copywriters, you really want to focus in and listen closely to this episode. Joe is the copy chief over at Agora Financial. If you don't know, Agora Publishing is just the behemoth in our industry. They're the ones producing the most work, doing the most testing, doing the most innovative stuff, and I think by, by a mile or two, producing the highest revenues. Joe and his team, just his team, he is one division of Agora, produced over a million words of copy last year, and that copy generated $140 million in sales. So that's about a buck 40, 140 bucks a word. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty damn effective. So no matter what market you're in, you definitely want to tune in closely, hear what Joe has to say today about how to convert cold and loop warm prospects into hot buyers. And like I said, if you're a direct response copywriter, it's something you want to understand about working at this high a level. And if you're someone who works with copywriters, understanding how to get the best possible work out of a copywriter. So Joe, man, thrilled to have you here. Thanks for making time. Hey, thank you very much. I know this is the second time that we're kind of spending some time together. And the first time I had a bunch of fun. I hope everybody got a lot of value out of it. And hopefully today we'll continue that value and share all the mistakes that I've made in trying to grow this business so other people don't have to make those same mistakes. Well, that's very generous of you. As we know, in this business, it's, it is the mistakes that matter, right? That's the, yeah. only, the only way we learn and we'll, we will for, forever be humbled. In fact, you mentioned to me that an hour from now, you have a m major campaign going live and you, of course, will be huddled over your computer screen waiting to see the results. Yeah, I tell you, this is why uh, we, you know, we should cut this short so we don't go all the way up to that moment that I launched that campaign. <laughs> I was saying, I'm either going to be in a state of complete, utter happiness or massive depression if this <laughs> thing does not work. Because I followed good old Jeff Walker's product launch formula kind of mm. to a T here, and we have sent a ton of engagement emails to a hot list that we built. Uh, so it could go very right or very wrong, and I want to be off this phone call so no one's <laughs> That's the thing. You see, taking nothing for granted, right? We, we uh, just never can. It's not an option. It'll never happen. Anybody who's serious will never fall into that mistake. But Joe, let's quickly understand a little more about you. Like you said, we spent some time together. I know that you're a guy who brings amazing value. You're on the cutting edge of this stuff. You shared your copy boarding process with my members inside of Copy Chief. It's been one of the hottest trainings we've ever done 
we use it now on a weekly basis to to come up with objections for people's copy. It's a real breakthrough. Um, but Joe, you, I mean, did you come to Agora as a writer first? How did all that go down? Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'll tell you a little quick story about how I found my way to Agora. I had graduated college in the typical way. I got a marketing degree, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And then out of college, you know, being a young, dumb kid, I thought I would be earning all this money. So I had this idea in my mind that I was going to get rich very quickly right out of college. So I actually interviewed at three different places the same day that I interviewed at Agora. So I interviewed at Agora. I interviewed uh, for a position at a headhunter that was one of those undefined positions, but just kind of got my resume and my name in their system. And then I interviewed for a marketing assistant to a physician. To this day, I don't know what that still is. Like, I'm not sure what that position actually was. But for whatever reason, I thought that that was the most prestigious sounding position. And, you know, being young and dumb, that was the position I wanted. So sure enough, they call me back the next day and they go, ah, you're not right for us. And then the headhunter calls me back and said, hey, we're having trouble placing you. And Agora called me back. And it, to be truthful, it was the job I wanted least. It was the job I didn't know anything about. It was the job I wanted least. It was the job that paid the least. But they were the only ones that actually offered me a job. So it's one of those amazing things where I took it because, again, they were the only thing that I had, right? I mean, it was better than the retail job that I was working my way through college at. It was better than working nights and weekends and dealing with, you know, thousands of potentially pissed off customers. I worked at Sports Authority, you know, the, the oh, yeah. business. But, you know, we deal with pissed off customers where their scooter wouldn't work or their bike would break. So <laughs> I took the job before because I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's a nine to five position. It's not anywhere near the money that I thought I, I deserved because I was dumb at the time. But I took it because it was the only thing on my plate. And now I look back at it, right? Like 16 years later, because that's how long I've been at Agora. Like what an amazing, crazy decision that was and how lucky I was to have taken that job that I did not want and how my life is completely changed. So coming back full circle to your question, I did not come in as a writer. I still don't even look at myself as a writer. I think I'm a much better marketer and business builder than I am a writer, but I know that the only way to build the business in our industry is to write. So I came in, you know, with a marketing degree that wasn't even useful because it came out of the typical conventional college system. And when I started at Agora, I started at the big parent company of Agora. I did not start in one of the affiliates. And what that basically means is I started in a centralized operational role and I would pull and query the database and deliver lists of people to which our competitors could mail their direct mail promotions to mm. basically, you know, they'd come to me and they'd say, Hey, I want to rent five or 10,000 names of publication X. Mm. And I would put a request into the database and I'd say, you know, pull five or 10,000 names of publication X and send it to this merge purge company. So this competitor can go ahead and mail our names. Mm. So one kind of quick final end of this story is that in between college and Agora, I had moved back home you know, with my parents. So I'm 21, 22 years old, something like that. And I'd go home and spend the day with my parents and they'd say, you know, what are you doing at this new job? And I had no clue the hell we were doing for like six months. Not a damn clue. All I know is I put stuff in the database. It spat out 5,000 names of customers that were around the United States. And I sent it on to a merge purge company. I hated it. I loved Agora and I loved the people and the culture. I hated what I was doing. So I did that for about two years and I was trying desperately to get the hell out of Agora. Uh, I loved the company, but I hated what I was doing and I loved the people that we were working with. It just wasn't challenging for me. But again, I love the people and I love the culture. Interesting. 
So, so, so we, you kind of getting a, an idea as you went along over these two years of what, what was happening at Agora? What, yeah, absolutely. Because what I would see is in renting, you know, our direct mail list. And in turn, I would be the one responsible for getting our competitors list that we could mail. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I started seeing the response rates come in from these direct mail campaigns. Yeah. So then I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, why would a campaign A get an amazing one and a half to two percent response rate in the mail? where campaign B would completely fail and I would never see that campaign again. So what made the difference, right? So I started becoming interested, not in the database work, but what was the, what generated the alpha in one package versus another package? And that's when I started to see that it all came down to what it is we do now, right? The promotions. And I started to see that if I wanted to make an impact in my career, and if I wanted to make an impact on Agora and try to grow the business, that it all came down to those promotions that we were mailing to all of those people. So then I started just reading the promotions, reading the promotions, mm. looking up the results, and then trying to back my way in to say, you know, this, this campaign did really well, and I know it's coming from this particular piece of promotional copy. What makes the difference? You know, was it the headline and lead? Of course it was. Was it the big idea? Of course it was. Was it the offer? Of course it was. But I would really begin to dissect packages because I was becoming curious about why things were working and why things didn't work in direct mail at the time. That's fascinating. You know, I've heard several stories like this. Jenny Thompson comes to mind, other people at other companies, Wendy Makepeace, you know, where they just happened into this job. They had no idea what, what this company did. And they quickly went, oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and they got in, uh, enthralled and obsessed and became, you know, innovators, leaders in the industry. Is, it, is, is that part of the, is it, very conducive to that where it's like, just get in our front door. If you make it past the sort of weirdness and confusion of what this whole direct response thing is about, you may find a really important role in this company. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to give credit where credit is due here, right? There's, there's two people uh, that had started Agora. Of course, one is Bill Bonner and the other one is Mark Ford that a lot of people know both of those names. Mm-hmm. That's always the culture that they kind of provided, which is come in find your place and then let them know what you wanted to do long-term, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not corporate in any type of way. We don't wear suits into work. You don't get promoted because you get an advanced degree at a college. You find your own way at Agora and you can really replace yourself, right? So once you learn the database stuff, go replace yourself and go move on to something that's more exciting for you. So because we're not corporate in that way and we're very kind of libertarian mindset that you can control your own future, it's very, very, very conducive, as you were saying, to people who are entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial, people that want to build a business and they want to explore and try new things, but who may not want to build their own business, people that want to build a business within a business and don't have titles and don't have corporate hierarchy and structure and bullshit and stuff like that. Can I, can I say that on here? That's okay. Yeah. It's people who really want to make their own path and who are curious and, and want to move on and, and yeah. you know, tell everybody else what they want to be doing rather than wanting to be told what they should be doing. That's really cool. That's interesting. Now, it, it poses a bit of a challenge perhaps because with copywriters, I think we need a little bit more direction, right? And a little bit more definition of some hierarchy and certainly you're more aware of that, that maybe than anybody on the planet, you and anybody else who's in charge of recruiting new copywriting talent into your building. It does seem to me, and Joe, you know that I, I've really been in the trenches trying to find the best way that I can help solve this problem because I love to nurture copywriting talent from the outside. 
And it seems like there is a lot of that. It's like, well, you know, if you're enthusiastic and have some talent, just, just come on into, just get yourself to, to Baltimore and get yourself into the building and we'll see how it goes. But you have, tell me if I'm wrong, you seem to kind of recognize that that was a problem and you've done an amazing job at, at organizing your system now for onboarding new writers. You have Copy Camp. Tell me about the evolution of that and, and then I want to talk about some of the sort of intangibles you look for in a potentially great copywriter. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope what I'm about to share is uh, helpful for people who are copywriters that are listening to this, who want to better their career. And I also hope that if anyone does run a small business, if they do run a direct response business, then hopefully what I'm about to share, they can use to build their own copy teams, which of course is the fuel to the fire of all the sales. So let me tell you about some mistakes that we had made in the past about hiring people and onboarding people. So coming exactly back to that point that you were just making, what we used to do is we used to look for a couple traits in people. And I'll go through those traits in a moment. And then when we would find those people, we would have them come here into Baltimore and do exactly what you just said, which is, hey, go sit at this desk and try something. And that would be it. Mm-hmm. You know, so these poor people, when they would come here, they had absolutely no structure in the past. So, you know, three months in, they didn't really know what we were doing. And six months in, they still hadn't written any promotion. Seven months in, they didn't know anything about measuring the effectiveness of the copy that they were trying to produce. Ten months in, they still hadn't written a promotion. And then a year from now, you know, we would sit down with them and go, why haven't you written anything? And they'd say, well, I, uh, I don't know. You didn't show me anything. We go, well, we don't show you anything. And then we fire them. And it was terrible. It was all of us. It wasn't all them, right? No structure. And I don't think the people were bad. They were good people, but we just didn't have a system for onboarding them and training them. And it was just totally unfair. So we said, look, you know, this isn't working. It's not working for these people. It's not working for our business because our business isn't growing. So then we said, you know, we do need some type of structure and we do need some type of plan for the copywriters where they can write for whatever they find exciting, but where they're onboarded in a way that they learn very quickly in a condensed format you know, how to go from a okay enough copywriter to hopefully a quote unquote, you know, A-list copywriter within a very short condensed amount of time because of training. So coming back to this thing that you were just mentioning, what we do for our writers and what I would suggest that anybody else who's looking to build a copy team out there would do, or for anyone that's looking to copy, you're happy to write copy, you're happy to come on on board with our team and we can get to that in a moment. But what we do is that we put all of our new writers, we typically hire a couple writers at a time, So we have a class of writers come through and we organize a camp in which it's, it's normally eight weeks long. We hold two sessions a week. So it's 16 total sessions. And we try to onboard within those 16 sessions, someone who has some type of knowledge of direct response and make them a full, you know, total copywriter who understands how to form a big idea, how to write a headline and lead, you know, what a hook is, how to deal with our legal and compliance, how to drive traffic, how to work with our designers to get the promo done, the metrics of direct response that they need to look at when their promotion goes live, how to critique other people's copy. Like we do all of that in eight weeks, in 16 sessions. So by the time someone hits their two month anniversary with us, they not only have all that knowledge, but we have them go through a hell week writing phase. And I use this term in in an endearing way where at the end of the two months they go and they write a promotion in a week. So by, you know, two and a half months in, they have a fully done promotion. 
And again, you, you juxtapose that in the way that we used to do it a year into someone's life, they wouldn't have a promotion. They'd be frustrated. We'd be frustrated. Really, this accelerates the entire process. And we do try to take somebody, you know, not just of understanding what writing is, but understanding the entire business of direct response, how to work with the marketing team, how to get eyeballs on your promotion, how important traffic is. We do all of that over the course of 16 sessions, eight weeks. And, you know, so far the results have been much, much, much better than in years past where we just say, go do something for a year. We've got a lot of young guys out now that, I think if you were to put their promotions two and a half months into their career up against some pretty significant freelancers out there and you were to critique those packages while they're not as good as those significant freelancers yet, I think they're better than a lot, a lot of other copy that's going out just after two and a half months of training because they do find that power in you know, knowing the business and finding out how to critique each other. So everybody's a team that goes through that. Nobody writes alone, man. What a what a uh, what an amazing education! It really, it's like dream come true for the certain amount of sicko out there who yeah. chooses chooses this life. I was talking to one of your colleagues last week, Joe. He had a great line. He said, "He said I honestly believe that financial copywriting is harder than brain surgery <laughs> because you could. There's a process, a very distinct." exact process to performing brain surgery and if somebody has the skills and the discipline to follow that they should succeed at the at the task however with you can only teach so much about how to write an amazing package right there there is there are some intangibles that the great the, the this uber a-list copywriters bring to this game and so when you've gotten somebody over the hump here, Joe, and they get it now and they've written this first package and it's comparable, what are the things at that point do you start to see in a writer where you go, oh, we got something special here? Yeah, uh, I think there's one simple thing that all of our good writers have, which is that they are idea machines. And I know you just had our mutual friend Todd Brown on to talk about the big idea. I yes, could sir. not stress the importance of the big idea anymore. So with our writers, right? I think if you back up a second and you say, what makes our copywriter succeed or fail? It's not that our guys are brilliant writers. And again, I would put myself in this class. Like when I look at my writing compared to other people, I do not hold a candle to these other people out there in the industry as far as being a writer. Where I think my success lies and where our team success is just being idea machines. So that's where I think I, we can really spot. Do we have somebody special here? is that they are constantly generating new, strange, unique ideas. Ideas that feel new, ideas that feel dangerous, ideas that cannot be dismissed. So while the writing can always be improved, maybe the sentence structure isn't the best, maybe the pacing or the story structure isn't the best, they are idea machines. So we have one gentleman internally that had, I think he was a, an accountant before coming to us, and he had failed in a couple other direct response businesses, and he came to us, and this guy is our best idea machine. He comes up with the wackiest, strangest ideas, and he is completely sold on them by the time he enters my office to pitch me on them. And he has been our top copywriter of the past year and a half because he is an idea machine. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it, it reminds me of with comedy, the funniest people I know have never been on stage, right? <laughs> Comics are funny people, great to hang out with, hilarious, but- there's always those people where they, they just kill you. You're on the floor. They would never get on stage or think to try to formalize that process, right? Yeah. And, and so it makes a lot of sense to me that, that a former accountant 
would be the greatest idea machine because it really is in our business about matching people's innate abilities, allowing those to flourish in the right circumstance with a team around them who can take those ideas and turn them into the gold we spin as promotions here. Absolutely. That is the single number one thing that I would be able to spot in someone of whether they will have long-term success or whether you know they may want to leave the business after a certain amount of time is can they generate their own ideas and are they sold on those own ideas when they have them, right? Do they get excited by them? Are they able to mm-hmm. uh, talk to someone else and, and get someone else excited because they're excited? Like, are they able to express that big idea? That's the number one thing mm-hmm. that we always look for because you know, everything else on paper, you can't tell, right? Like this guy was an accountant. He hadn't written anything and his formal training was in, you know, Excel and formulas. Like he, he's not, if you were looking at him, you wouldn't say, Oh, that's going to be our top copywriter. Right. Right. But after you put him through this program and you see that he's able to just generate amazing new ideas every single day and find connections in ideas that other people can't see, that's, that's the number one thing for us. Man, I love that. You made an important distinction there about passion. Are they excited by the idea? Because, Joe, I've been sort of working on this theory for a while, and it's nothing new, but I think it's the most important element right now in all of marketing and that is emotion, right? If we cannot convey emotion, if we cannot garner emotion in our prospect as they consume our copy, we're just dead, right? Like information knowledge is becoming a thing of it's just enough of it out there, right? Absolutely, right? You you come back to comedy, of which I know you have a lot more experience than I do. But like you look at like the same joke can be told by two different people, and one could put emotion behind it and passion behind it and have the audience cracking up and the other one can read it deadpan and mm. probably not get any reaction, even though it's the same joke, right? right. So it's the same way here. Like even if you have an idea, having that passion and having that passion and that emotion come through in writing is uber important too. So if that person isn't sold on the idea themselves, how do they ever expect to sell anybody else to? Yeah, that's, that's so huge. Back to a personal thing. I, I know that you are, uh, I think your words sort of obsessed, really enthralled with the Navy SEALs. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, correct. I don't know where this passion comes from because I'm the biggest wimp ever. <laughs> like, you know, if I stub my toe, I'm going to bitch about it for like three days to my wife. Uh, but, you know, what I've become obsessed about the SEALs is that I look at them, I just feel like, you know, someone who has the desire and want to go through the BUDS school of training, the basic underwater dilemma demolition school, which is the big SEAL camp, basically, mm-hmm. anybody that has that desire to want to be the best in almost every area of the military, right? Who the SEALs are uh, the best snipers out there. They are the the best underwater. They are the best demolition teams. They're just the best at everything. They get the desire to suffer through the hard times in a way to be the best at what they do. And that's what I try to, uh, you know, look for in our copywriters too, right? Somebody that can get up and go at it again after their promotion has already failed. Because that's tough, right? We all know that as writers. I mean, it's a massive ego blow when you've worked on something and when it fails mm-hmm. and you get back up and write something again, or do you get gun shy and it takes you too long and it's tough to engage. So I do look at um, our copywriters, not only being good at copy, not only having the psychology that they could get back up after they've failed on a package, but really also being good at every area of marketing. And that's why we put them through this kind of 16 session training program, because I don't want them just to be quote unquote writers. I want them to be badass direct marketers whereby they understand copy, 
They understand enough about driving traffic. They can speak very intelligently to the best affiliate people out there in the world about conversion rates and cost per acquisitions and cart values. Like I want them to be the equivalent of what the Navy SEALs are for the military, but copywriters for direct response. I want them to be good at everything. So I try to put them through that and I try to make them, that's why I, I end the two month program, you know, in this idea of hell week, which is what mm-hmm. the SEALs have too, right? At the end of bud school, they put you through hell week and try to make you quit to see who's got it, see who doesn't. And that's why I make our, our copywriters at the end of the two month training, they write a promo in a week, which a lot of people would find crazy, right? How do I write, you know, 5,000, 10,000 words in a week and make it good. Mm-hmm. I want to see who can do that. And I want to see who is willing to stay up all night and make it happen and who's going to quit on it. And that's why I put everybody through that hell week at the end. That's great. It did it. Did you discover SEAL training through the need to create this sort of boot camp or vice versa? Yeah, I don't know to tell you the truth. Um, and again, I'm not even sure why this weird obsession of mine is, is here. Mm-hmm. I think I just became somewhere along the lines of being obsessed about, you know, being the best of the best and discovered the SEALs uh, and their kind of framework. So I do think it was probably the SEALs first that I've read almost every SEAL book out there, everything from uh, you know, Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell, they made a movie about it, to The Red Circle by Brandon Webb, to The Finishing School by a guy named Dick Couch and stuff like that, which is all about buds. So I think I discovered the SEALs first and then uh, modeled the camp off of that, which again, it, I don't mean this in any disrespect for anybody in the military, because if you go through our copy camp, it's obviously nowhere near right. training that those military uh, people have went through. So. I think it was probably the SEALs that inspired, you know, us trying to do some type of camp and, and really trying to turn up the volume in the camp to make sure that the people that stuck with us over the course of 16 sessions, eight weeks were the right people and that they understood the mission kind of in front of them. Awesome. Love it. I love that you're obsessed, you know, in the, in the ideas, but you're not necessarily one of these guys who feels like you need to go, you know, see how long you can stay underwater on a beach. Oh. <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to, I'm like, I'm not, not doing, I'm not going to fantasy seal camp, but. Uh, <laughs> well, not yet. You know, there is a camp out in California called uh, Kokoro Camp run by an ex-seal named Mark Divine. Yes. I keep saying I'm going to do, it's like four days that they simulate hell week. Oh my God. And big failure rate and stuff like that. And again, every time my wife hears about this, she's like, dude, you stub your toe and you bit, how in the hell are you going to spend 54 hours, you know, uh, busting your ass and, and with these rest of these people. So I'm going to be insane and try it at some point, but uh, it's not yet. I keep putting it off. <laughs> yeah, you better set a deadline for that or it might not happen. Yeah. Hey, it's Kev here and I got something cool just for you. You know, we ask, what's the one thing you've done? in your marketing that's produced the most surprising results on the show and people give really cool answers. Well, I've taken what I consider to be 10 of the best of those answers and I've assembled them into one convenient download for you. You can get it at truthaboutmarketingshow.com. You know why I chose these 10? Because they're interesting and actionable. Things that you can listen and go ping, 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 light bulb moment. And take it and put it into your marketing and see results immediately, okay? Go get it. Go dig it. Go do it. Truthaboutmarketingshow.com. It's free and it's yours. Hope you enjoy it. That's awesome, dude. All right, 30 minutes until your new campaign goes live. I I know this too well to not feel the tension with you. So I want to respectfully start into the close here. I'm going to ask you two more questions. One is the signature question of the show that I hope I prepped you for a little bit. Yes. That is, Joe Schrieffer, what is the one thing you've done in your marketing that produced the most surprising results? 
Okay, so I'm going to tweak this answer a little bit if I, if I can. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the most surprising thing that I think we've done as a business uh, versus just pure marketing. I hope this is applicable for some people out there. And the most surprising thing for me is the amazing change that the business will go through when it gets big and the amazing failures that can happen when the business gets big and how you prevent those failures from happening. So let me share a story. You know, our business was, uh, if I look, I think three years ago, we did 51 million. Then we did 78 million the year after that. Last year, as you pointed out, we did 140 million. And this year we're on pace for probably 165 to 170 million, you know, if all the stars align and this campaign that we're about to launch in 30 minutes actually begins to succeed. So the businesses went through this hyper growth. And if you had asked me a couple years ago, you know, would I have wanted this for the business? Absolutely, the, the answer is, is yes. But the surprising thing to me is how different the business has become as it's gotten bigger and the problems that could happen with that. So, you know, we went from, with that growth, we went from probably 60 people at Agora Financial to close to 200 people at Agora Financial now. And the biggest thing that we've done to have the most success is to basically split up Agora Financial into much smaller, independently run business units, very similar to how Agora Inc. split itself up in the early 2000s. So if anyone does have a big business uh, you know, out there and it's growing or they're part of a bigger business and they're a copywriter or they're consulting with a bigger business, it could get to some point where the business kind of eats itself, right? You get 200 people and 200 different personalities and you spend a lot of time on one product and not a lot of time on a different product because you're not paying attention to that one. And then the other people start fighting because they're not getting attention paid to them. So the biggest thing that we've done that's produced the biggest results is begin to take our business, our 200 person business, and split it up into smaller, independently run units that can all run and compete against each other. And in doing that, we're gonna have smaller units that all add up to the aggregate of the Gore Financial. They're gonna to continue to feel like small run businesses. You know, people that are head down in producing results for their particular set and suite of products. So I think if someone were to leave the business in its entirety to be a very big business, I think that business will fail because of infighting and again, just attention paid on one product and not the other product and what all comes with that. So anybody, as their businesses get bigger, I would say you know, to think really hard about making sure that you're running, just to throw some numbers out there, I'd rather run 10 $5 million businesses than one $50 million business. And I think that's really important. And I think as people, their businesses grow, or again, if they're copywriters with bigger businesses, I mean, really to think hard about that because uh, that is definitely the path that has been producing the growth for us that I'm confident will continue to allow us to grow, which is running as smaller, independently kind of operated business units, units versus one big company. So that's been the most surprising thing. And then I'll tell you two other tiny little things. And uh, this shows how much I don't know about copy. But again, these are trite things, so uh, I'm sure you've heard this a million times. When the video sales letter first came out, uh, I looked at that thing, and I think I saw it. Uh, Agora was late to pick it up because I know it was already rolling around the internet marketing community. When I saw the first iteration of the video sales letter, a, an internal copywriter showed it to me, and they said, hey, look at this thing. And no one else in Agora had done it yet. And I remember looking at it and going, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and the next day, or I'm sorry, about a month later, an Agora division rolled out with one of these video sales letters and boom, you know, all the response went up, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, man. So I learned a big lesson there into always test. So that's a much smaller, 
you know, surprising thing uh, is that I can never spot the next format or big idea breakthrough. As long as I think the idea is in good enough shape or the format looks good enough, I'm going to test it now because I made that mistake, you know, years ago and thinking that that was the dumbest format. And then the other thing that I would say was, was surprising for us is uh, I, I remember the first time I saw End of America go out, which a lot of people probably know has been, uh, was written by a friend of mine named Mike Palmer, who runs uh, Stansberry Associates, he's what I believe to be the best financial copywriter out there. I strive to be at his level one day as far as writing goes. But Mike Palmer wrote that package. It's been the most successful financial package that I know of to acquire new customers. And I remember the day I saw that, I went, man, that, that, no one's going to buy from that. It's boring. It starts off as, hey, I'm Porter Stansberry. And who would start a sales letter like that? And of course, that's been the most uh, successful sales letter. So that would be the other thing is always to make sure that you're testing ideas. Again, you know, for me, I don't know where the next big idea is going to come from. As long as I'm passionate about the idea or the writer themselves is passionate about the idea, I'm going to test it. So those are my three surprising things. Number one, how different the business becomes as it gets bigger and how to make sure that you split the business up and to be much smaller independently run units that will grow larger than a big centralized run company. Two is always to test those new formats because you never know where they're going to come from. And three, to always make sure that you're willing to test a copywriter's idea. I always say that the copywriter gets a test in our business, you know, even if I disagree with the idea, but I know it's not going to hurt our readers as long as it's not a lie or it's not something that, you know, our editors don't believe in. I'm going to test that idea because I never know where that next big idea is going to come from. Love it. That's the mark of a great marketer. Okay, Joe. So with the last few minutes here, and just let me thank you in advance. This has been a great interview. I love how generous you are with all your knowledge. Really appreciate it. I'm so glad you didn't end up filing urine samples or whatever that other job was. That exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, give us the pitch, man. I know you need writers. All the any publisher working at this high level needs great copywriters. What are you saying to this person sitting there listening, wondering? what it, you know, what it would take to go work with you. Yeah. So uh, our copy team, I'm always looking to work alongside of people who have that passion. And I know that looking at all of our businesses, all of the Agora businesses, and then specifically our business at Agora Financial, the only way that we continue to grow is to develop these relationships with these copywriters and make sure that we're getting even more copy out than what we're currently producing. So number one, I would say that anybody who has a passion for copy I am convinced that our copywriting training, no matter if you're brand new to copy or if you're experienced in copy, I'm convinced that our copywriting training that we offer here in our offices in Baltimore can improve your career. And I would love to work alongside you, you know, if you do have that passion. So what I'm really looking for is I don't need people who have written a ton of controls before. I don't care if you've actually even written a long form sales letter before. I care that you have work ethic, that you have massive curiosity about the way that the world works, that you're not a mainstream thinker, that you would look to find new interesting connections amongst ideas, and that you read more than anybody that you know. So those are really my three things. The work ethic, the insane curiosity, and that you love to read and consume information. So if you have those things, you know, again, I'm convinced that no matter if you're uh, just starting out or if you've gotten you know, 25 controls underneath your belt, that working together with us here, I think we can make a lot of money together. I think we could have a lot of fun together. I think we can grow the business together. I think we can improve the lives of millions and millions of readers around the world together. And I would love to work with that person. So if that's the case, you know, the big caveat that I always hear is, can I, can I work remotely? While it's definitely a possibility, I think that the, 
best training happens here in Baltimore for a short amount of time so that we could always get to know each other face to face. You can, you know, sit with our marketers. We're on the pace to buy about $60 million worth of paid advertising this year. So you can literally in Baltimore sit with the team as a copywriter that is responsible for buying $60 million of traffic this year. And you could pick their brains. So again, the best way to develop this is to be here in Baltimore for a short amount of time to go through our next copy camp and to really get to know all of us and get to know our products and to get to know what our readers love and what they fear and what they desire and all that type of stuff. So I'm convinced that the fastest way to grow someone's bank account and their career is to really join us here you know, for a short stint in Baltimore and learn our business. And I'm happy to always share anything and everything. Uh, I don't hold back any secrets. So even if someone is out there and they don't think Baltimore is right for them, you know, if they want to reach out to me and ask any secrets or we can get on the phone and kick things back and forth, Primarily, I would love people here in Baltimore, but even if not, I like friends and I like sharing things and you never know, you know, where the relationship could go in the future. So if so, uh, do you mind if I do this, the, the crazy thing that I normally do? And kind yeah, of keep that email address? If, if you're brave enough, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So everybody always tells me I'm crazy for doing this. Everybody says, you, know, you should, you know, create a Gmail address and create an autoresponder. That way you don't have to deal with people who are going to drive you crazy you know, with giving out your personal email address. I don't believe in it personally because I don't think anybody drives me crazy. I do think that I, sometimes I get a lot of emails. And I can't respond to people personally very fast, but I do read every single email and I eventually get to people. So I am going to be crazy and give out my personal email address here. Uh, it is my first initial and my last name at agorafinancial.com. So I'm going to spell that for everybody. It is J S is in Sam C H R I E F is in Frank E R at agorafinancial.com. So J Schriefer, S-C-H-R-I-E-F-E-R at agorafinancial.com. If anybody's interested, you know, write to me and tell me that you're interested and we can begin a conversation. If anybody wants to know anything that we're doing in our business, potentially that we can work together to drive traffic, you, we can become affiliates of each other, you know, just go ahead and write to me. I will do my best to deliver some type of value to each and every person that writes to me. If it's to come to Baltimore and, and uh, you know, I'll relocate people and pay to relocate people to kind of join our program here, or if it's just that we could drive traffic back and forth to uh, current promotions that somebody listening to copychief.com and the podcast here, if they're writing a great promotion that we should run to our list, you know, we could have that discussion too. So that's the thing, Jay Schriefer at agorafinancial.com, write to me. I will do my best to get back to you as quickly as possible, and I would love to work alongside Anybody that has that passion, that curiosity, uh, and that work ethic. Love it. You're a crazy man. You're going to be so inundated. Be sure to mention that you heard uh, Joe here on Truth About Marketing Podcast. Joe, Matt, thrilled to be able to help you on this mission and learn from you. You're incredibly generous, incredibly wise, and I sure hope we can get you out to Copy Chief, the live event, October 9th and 10th here in St. Pete. I'll announce as soon as Joe, if he is able to, and we'll confirm that. So thanks a lot for doing this and let's do it again soon. Yeah, and thank you very much. I look forward to seeing hopefully everybody at your event in mid-October, early to mid-October there. And I'm going to do my best to rearrange my schedule to make it because I'll tell you the same thing I told you right before uh, you know, we started recording this, which is uh, last time you and I did this webinar together, uh, I got the best response that I'd ever gotten from any list from the people that are part of copychief.com. So that community I know is very vibrant and I'm very happy to help everybody on there. So I'd love to meet everybody in person in mid-October. So Kevin, thank you very, very much. Uh, I've had fun the last two times we've done this. I hope we can continue. Thanks brother, we sure will. And I can't wait to hear how your promotion does. Go get it, go pace and good luck. <laughs> thank you very much. All right brother, see ya. Bye.
Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com. And I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.